With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is a great day. It's unlike it was yesterday. Yesterday was hot. Not humid, but it was in the 90s. And now it looks like a fall day in the city of Chicago. I hope it's nice where you, wherever you are in the world. Wherever you are in the world, I hope it's nice. I mean, uh, it's the end of the summer, and it looks like it. It looks like it's the end of the summer. And I, I hate to see it go. I really do, because it's just been so beautiful. And I, as I've just got through mentioning, I hope that it's beautiful where you are in the world. No time to be depressed. No time to feel lonely. No time to feel helpless. No time to feel like that you do not matter. You do matter. And I say this because there's so many people out here who are depressed, who are lonely, who are feeling helpless as if they can't do anything or nobody will listen to them. There's too many people out there and there's too many seniors out there. Uh, the same thing. But, uh, you know, this is America and this is the time that we're in and we have to try to take back our country. You know, and uh, you do that through voting, through voting. I know some people out there say, I'm not going to vote. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, we need to to take back the country. And uh, I'm still trying to wake up. <laughs> it is still beautiful outside. It feels great. And uh, it feels wonderful. out. And I hope you people out there around the world is listening to the George Wilder Jr. show either now or later once the show is podcast recorded and you can download a link. You don't have to wait for me to send you one. All you have to do is download it. Come to the uh, website uh, and uh, download a, a, a clip, any clip. You can download, you can, <laughs> excuse me, you can download a clip from Three years ago, who who cares? Who knows? Uh, you know, I mean, you can download any clip you want. I think there's about 500 clips, um, 500 podcast shows that have been recorded already by the George Wilder Jr. Show because we're going on our fifth year. We're going on our fifth year. Is there any? <laughs> is there any applause or yells or cheers or? Five years, uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, we are here, and uh, the Trump administration spends way too much time attacking the media. Perhaps if they actually started doing some work instead of just staging and acting, they would not have time to worry about the reports would also look better. Uh, that was uh, Anderson Cooper. I mean, I was quoting him. He, he's out there um, on the East Coast in the middle of uh, that Hurricane Florence. And he's saying, like so many of, of us saying, what the, where is the Trump administration on helping people? Where is the Trump administration on at least uh, uh, trying to do something to make lives a little bit better a little bit better for people who are caught in these type of uh, situations, particularly hurricanes and tornadoes and all these kind of things that, that are uh, uh, things that happen uh, this time of the year. 
where where is the Trump administration? We know where they are. They don't give a fuck. That's where they are. That's their mentality. They don't give a fuck about uh, a tornado tearing through somebody's t- town, an American town. They don't care. They don't even want to talk about it. Even if Trump tweets tweet something that sounds a little bit like him doing his job, believe me, his heart is not there. He's doing it because he was told to do it. Or he's doing it because it's part of his job to do it, but it's not in his heart to do it. If he said anything or done anything for these people, and I don't really see anything that he's done or said. Um, uh, Anderson Cooper here, I'm looking at a photo, and he's standing out in probably a street, uh, uh, a street where where there's uh, you know traffic, cars, but this street, the water is all the way up to his waist. It's past his waist. You know, I'm pretty sure he has on some sort of a uh, leather, you know, pantsuit or something. Uh, He's standing in some water, and he's standing in extreme weather, and he is has a microphone, and he is talking and lashing out about the lack of effort, the lack of empathy, the lack of everything that's coming from this White House. Trump is too busy attacking, like he said, Trump is too busy attacking the media. He's too busy attacking the FBI. He's too busy attacking the American people. He's too busy obstructing justice to actually say something or do something uh, about uh, the conditions in North and South Carolinas. And some people call them the Carolinas because they're both North and South Carolinas. So, uh, of course, he's out there trying to save his ass. He's out there lying. He's out there uh, trying to get his lies straight. And his lawyer, his top lawyer, I'm guessing, is Rudy Giuliani, and he's trying to get his lies straight before he goes on TV. <laughs> he's trying to get his lies straight. Kelly and Conway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. All of Trump liars, you know, and Trump is worried about his ass. He's worried about himself more than he's worried about anybody else. Manafort, he doesn't, he doesn't know what Manafort is going to tell Robert Mueller. He doesn't know what Mueller, Robert Mueller have on him. But I can say this. Trump has, has not said anything really, really stupid so far. Because, because from one day to the next, there's always something stupid he's going to say or dumb and ignorant. Something that he's going to tweet, but so far it hasn't come to that. And I've said yesterday on the show, I do believe that Trump knows he's going down. There's something happening that we don't know about yet, but Trump knows it. Usually if something uh, if something pertaining to the White House that's going to be coming out in the press in a little while, the White House would know it before the rest of us would. And this is what I'm thinking. Trump, Trump knows that something is about to uh, be broken. We're going to get more broken, breaking, breaking news. Yeah, something is about to be, something is about to happen. Something big, something huge, something uh, terrible for Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump is not out here tweeting. He's not out here doing this or doing that or saying something is up. And I keep saying that. I keep saying that. I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
uh, someone has talked to Donald Trump, said, hey, well, man, you better resign or you will be kicked out. Or uh, this is coming down the pipe, and it's not good for you. So what are you going to do? We're going to release this to the – what are you going to do? Trump knows uh, the shit that's going to be coming from the Mueller's FBI office before we do because they the FBI contacts him before they make this shit public, and Trump knows it. His whole – his entire family knows it. If it's something involving Donald Trump Jr., Donald Trump already knows about it. We don't, but we do know that Donald Trump Jr. has broken the law. He lied to the FBI. Or he was caught in a meeting at Trump Tower uh, trying to get, you know, uh, the goods on Hillary Clinton and lied about it. Lying to the FBI, felony offense. And Donald <laughs> whoa, he, he is trying to tell the FBI to sit to uh, – there is something that was, uh, came out today that where Donald Trump was trying to uh, tell the FBI that they should not be messing in this Brett Kavanaugh saga that's going on. He was – it's dumb, it's stupid, and it's laughable. And once again, it's Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump uh, obstructing justice right out there in the open. And if he doesn't think Mueller knows this, he's more crazier than we thought he was. Yeah, he's uh, he's trying to get Mueller to back off the, the – his investigation into Brett Kavanaugh, if there is an investigation into Brett Kavanaugh, because uh, this guy wants to, he wants the Supreme Court job. He's the Supreme Court nominee chosen by Donald Trump, and all of this stuff is coming out. And this woman, he sexually assaulted in his high school days. Uh, they're saying that there may be a hearing on this. They may hear her, and they may hear him. And then there's something that has come out in a few minutes saying in a, in a few minutes saying that uh, Chuck Grassley is going to cancel the hearing. If he cancels the hearing and, and he delays this thing, like some of the reports are saying, this is a win for the Democrats. This is a win for the people. This guy will not be seated on the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's right here. It's saying that Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley from Iowa on Tuesday canceled a crucial committee uh, meeting where the members were expected to hold a vote to advance Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination. This is a win-win for the Democrats. This is a win-win for the people of America, if this is true. And I'm looking at a, a, a website that is a viable website. It's a, uh, a website that a lot of people go to. It's MSN. So we know this is, this is, I guess what I'm trying to say here, folks, it's not fake news. The announcement is a win for a committee 
the committee's 10 Democrats who called for a delay in Kavanaugh's proceedings following a following a bombshell allegation from Christy Blassie Ford made public over the weekend. Chrissy, Christine Blassie Ford is the woman in question who has accused uh, the Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexual misconduct. Fellas, sexual misconduct is going to get you all the time. Leave <laughs> leave those women alone, especially when they can come back and bite you. And I don't mean sexually. Okay. Uh, the guest uh, on the George Wilder Jr. show is Jamel Jones, and we have plenty of commentary on the George Wilder Jr. show. Hate lies have, have no home here. You know, uh, strive to another a misspelling a misquote there trying to quit something before you have something to replace it with is stupid all right thanks for listening to me we're going to have a break we're going to take a break trying to quit something i like that quote i really do like that quote trying to quit something before you have something to replace it with is stupid get out and vote vote all republicans out of office america depends on you vote blue vote blue um, once again, my guest today is um, Jamel Jones. We'll see if that happens because <laughs> things are things, things. A lot of things change. Yeah. All right, folks. Here's Ashley. All right. Next on the to-do list. When we take over the DNC. <laughs> Michael. Second term in office. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. Watch your mouth. On you the can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried-out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. Women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. 
funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way. And he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt, I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. <laughs> I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalized the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob, this vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Team. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. <laughs> and I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. 
but I trust girls and I trust women and I trust our allies. It was published, it went viral, it proves that every single day online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world and when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women and for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up, the limbic system gets fired, we lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations, they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people, girls, our girls, our boys, are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free internet. We started something called the Speech Project, curbing abuse, expanding freedom, and that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us, our natural sexuality is, I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful, and my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds, attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. Okay. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child and so that tweet brought up that trauma and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech and we disaggregate it yeah. and we code it and we give that data 
so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few, and of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy, and clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents—it's essential. Two. Shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. Edge, the global standard for gender equality, is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you. Can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties, like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen, about how deplorable hashtag #GamerGate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen. That online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9/11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there. In 2015, 72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered with up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter. But they couldn't really when they said, "What's Twitter?" Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, the law could not be applied to a perpetrator because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous. They must right, have been committed you, by thank telephone, so we'll in mail. Hey everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois, on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
<laughs> Kavanaugh's downfall, once possible, once impossible, seems very possible. This guy will not be on the Supreme Court, and uh, he looks sick. Uh, this is a win for the American people. Uh, you, you, uh, and now this man is not going to be on the Supreme Court. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's not because they have delayed and still delaying any confirmation. They're delaying any hearing. Uh, as I've said earlier, Chuck Grassley pulled, pulled it. And, uh, it seems like, and I'm looking at, a, I'm looking at yahoo.com and they're saying that, Kavanaugh's downfall, once impossible, is now possible. And I kind of believe it because it's been an uproar over this guy. And it is a win for the American people. But we have to, we have to, um, we have to talk to Texas because it's a possibility that Ted Cruz is in the lead. And Ted Cruz done something in in that state that's just awful. He was sending out mailers looking like summons asking for money. He he sent mailings looking like it came from some court asking for money. In other words, he's trying to scare people into giving him money. Ted Cruz is a piece of garbage. Folks, you've got to if you're in Texas and you've listened, you, and you are listening to this show, and I hope you are, what the hell is wrong with you people in Texas to want to send a jackass like Ted Cruz back to the Senate? If this is true, this could be fake news. I don't know, but at any rate, I'm talking to Texas now. You guys got to get up off your asses and vote this guy out. More likely, people who are giving Ted Cruz a lead in Texas are seniors. People in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're giving this guy the lead in Texas. But I don't know. I'm a little skeptical that he is nine points ahead. Because the other day when I was, uh, you know, going through researching a lot of things and he was – his opponent, Democratic opponent, uh, was ahead a few points, maybe one or two points, but Cruz was not ahead, was not in the lead uh, nine points. But if it is, and this, if this happens to be true and it has not been confirmed, I'm going to have to dig in it a little deeper because it just isn't, it just, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't cut the mustard that this guy is in the lead uh, when he has been downed, really down in the polls. And now suddenly he's in the lead. Folks, you got to watch out for fake, fake news. You got to be careful out there. A lot of the things you read is not true. A lot of the things they say is bullshit. You have to figure it out. But it's so many, but so many of our um, seniors are so vulnerable to this. I've had people tell me, hey, man, my mama, she just, (laughs) my mother, she just, you know, uh, votes Republican all the time. She watches Fox. And Fox is a river of lies. I mean, you can't, I mean, these people are, 
just as crazy, just as insane as Trump. And this is Trump's um, home. I think Trump was saying something, saying, said something that uh, all Americans should now watch Fox News. He said something to that uh, effect. Yeah, that Fox News is better than all the other, you know, media outlets or something. Actually, he's telling us what to do. He's telling us what to watch. Remember when he wanted to send a presidential alert to every cell phone in the United States of America? They cut that because people were saying that they didn't want him on their phones. I'd have crushed mine if I thought he was uh, uh, his voice was on my phone telling me anything at all. A traitor, a liar, a sexual assaulter. Give me a break. A felony, a felonist, put it that way. Give me a break. But anyway... Um, Texas, if you are, uh, if you don't know no better, clean out your state. Get rid of Ted Cruz. Do not let this guy back into the Senate. He He's going to work against you. You let Ted Cruz back in the Senate in Texas, he's going to work against you as he's working against you now. He's a Trump ass kisser. You vote for Ted Cruz, you vote for Donald Trump. And the majority of the people, I do believe that's giving uh, Ted Cruz this lead, if this is in fact true, are seniors, the elderly. They're the ones who are being brainwashed watching Fox News. The elderly. And the and those who probably can't think straight. Texas, you got to do better than this. If this is happening, you've got to do better than this. If those folks planning on voting for, if you know people who are planning on voting for Ted Cruz in the midterms, give them a talking to. Give them a good talking to. Try to make them see the light. This is not good. This is not good at all. Okay? Counting on you, Texas. Counting on you. All right. You've been listening to, to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back. I had to cut in on Ashley Judd. She was giving a great talk. But, you know, some things, some things are more important than others. All righty. <laughs> All right. We're back. <laughs> no, that's not my little daughter. Uh, <laughs> but it is cute. It is totally. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. So Kavanaugh is in some big, big trouble here, folks. He is in some big trouble, and it seems like this thing is over. From what I'm reading on Yahoo, and we all know that Yahoo.com is not fake news, okay? And uh, this guy has been uh, lambasted. Uh, by the American people, by the Democrats in Congress. Uh, even some Republicans are expressing remorse uh, for uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, this may be his downfall. And Chuck Grassley, Senator Chuck Grassley, pulled the hearing. There, there, I think there was a hearing, I heard, that there was a hearing set for this coming Monday 
and now that's off. So uh, we have to wait and uh, see what else is going to go on because this is a saga here, folks. This could be uh, something on Netflix or something, you know, a series or something. What's coming out of this administration, what's coming out of this White House, it's just bonkers, man. It's just bonkers. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You publishing a shocking anonymous op-ed from a senior Trump administration official. It is so unusual. It is so biting. It's such an indictment of the president. The only way to lay out the case this person makes is to read the entire thing to you. So here it is in full, the opinion piece in the New York Times. President Trump is facing a test to his presidency unlike any faced by a modern American leader. It's not just the special counsel that looms large or that the country is bitterly divided over Mr. Trump's leadership or even that his party might well lose the House to an opposition hell-bent on his downfall. The dilemma, which he does not fully grasp, is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I would know I am one of them, he writes goes on to say, to be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to this country. And the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. That is why many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. The root of the problem is the president's amorality. 
Anyone who works with him knows he is not moored to any discernible first principles that guide his decision-making. Although he was elected as a Republican, the president shows little affinity for ideas long espoused by conservatives, free minds, free markets, and free people. At best, he has invoked these ideals in scripted setting. At worst, he has attacked them outright. In addition to his mass marketing of the notion that the press is the enemy of the people, President Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Don't get me wrong, he writes. There are bright spots that the near ceaseless negative coverage of the administration fails to capture, effective deregulation, historic tax reform, a more robust military, and more. But these successes have come despite, not because of, the president's leadership style, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. From the White House to executive branch departments and agencies, senior officials will privately admit their daily disbelief at the commander-in-chief's comments and actions. Most are working to insulate their, op their operations from his whims. Meetings with him veer off topic and off the rails. He engages in repetitive rants, and his impulsiveness results in half-baked, ill-informed, and occasionally reckless decisions that have to be walked back. There is literally no telling whether he might change his mind from one minute to the next, a top official complained to me, the writer, of course, recently, exasperated by an Oval Office meeting at which the president flip-flopped on a major policy decision he'd made only a week earlier. The erratic behavior would be more concerning if it weren't for unsung heroes in and around the White House. Some of his aides have been cast as villains by the media, but in private, they have gone to great lengths to keep bad decisions contained to the West Wing, though they are clearly not always successful. It may be cold comfort to this chaotic, in this chaotic era, but Americans should know that there are adults in the room. We fully recognize what is happening, and we are trying to do what's right, even when Donald Trump won't. He goes on. The result is a two-track presidency. Take foreign policy. In public and in private, President Trump shows a preference for autocrats and dictators, such as President Vladimir Putin of Russia and North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, and displays little genuine appreciation for the ties that bind us to allied, like-minded nations. Astute observers have noted, though, that the rest of the administration is operating on another track, one where countries like Russia are called out for meddling and punished accordingly, and where allies around the world are engaged as peers rather than ridiculed as rivals. On Russia, for instance, the, the president was reluctant to expel so many of Mr. Putin's spies as punishment for the poisoning of a former Russian spy in Britain. He came, complained for weeks about senior staff members letting him get boxed into further confrontation with Russia, and he expressed frustration the United States for the United, that the United States continued to impose sanctions on the country for its malign behavior. But his national security team knew better. Such actions had to be taken to hold Moscow accountable. This isn't the work of the so-called deep state, he writes. It's the work of the steady state. Given the instability many witnessed, there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. But no one wanted to precipitate a constitutional crisis. So we will do what we can to steer the administration in the right direction until one way or another it's over. The bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us. We have sunk low.
have new devastating polls on President Trump released today that show the president getting what one poll says is his lowest grade for honesty since he was elected, with 60% of the country saying he is not honest. And, he, and an even larger group, 65% of the country saying he is not level-headed. And that is the essential picture of the president that emerges in Bob Woodward's new book, that he is not honest and he is not level-headed. And that is the same picture that emerged in the anonymous op-ed piece published in the New York Times last week by a senior official in the Trump administration saying that, quote, many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. A Quinnipiac poll done this weekend asked for a verdict from the public on that New York Times op-ed piece with this question. As you may know, there have been anonymously published allegations that senior advisors to President Trump worked behind his back to stop him from making what these advisors believe are bad decisions. Do you believe these allegations are true or not? 55% believe that the president's staff worked behind his back to stop him from making bad decisions. Only 28% do not believe that, and 17% are not sure. So only 28% of Americans believe Donald Trump is in control of his presidency, 28%. And that poll was being taken this weekend in reaction to the recent revelations about the Trump administration when that poll was being taken. Mike Pence brought the vice presidency to a new low. Do you think you know who Anonymous is? I don't, I don't know. But I, I do know that they should resign and leave this administration. Should all top officials take a lie detector test, and would you agree to take one? I would agree to take it in a heartbeat. And there, Mike Pence took his place in history as the first vice president to volunteer to take a lie detector test. And he did it because he lives in fear of Donald Trump, a man who Mike Pence knows and who we all know would never take a lie detector test about anything. And as Donald Trump has destroyed any pretense of the dignity of the presidency, Mike Pence has done the same for whatever remains left of the perceived dignity of the vice presidency after Republican Vice President Spiro Agnew plea bargained his conviction for tax evasion while he was vice president in order to avoid charges of bribery, and he resigned the vice presidency in a deal that allowed him to escape prison time. And it is at times like these when Vice President Pence knows that he can hope to escape history's verdict as our worst vice president, thanks entirely to Spiro the worst vice president. Mike Pence sure would take a lie detector test in a heartbeat. Why? Hmm. Because the president won't believe him if he doesn't take a polygraph test? So what? Does he think the president can fire him? Mike Pence Probably is one of so, the... <laughs> Probably so. He probably does think the the uh, pre president can fire him because Mike Pence is just a uh, ass-kissing son of a bitch. It's pardon my language, but that's what he is. He was appointed by the man who is already in prison and trying and trying to actually uh, lessen his prison sentence by flipping on Donald Trump, and that's Manafort, Paul Manafort. Michael Cohen has already flipped, 
and Michael Cohen has implicated Trump in two federal crimes. But yet, this uh, Congress, Republican Congress, they will not investigate it. So yeah, Mike Pence, it, he has uh, a crime on his hands uh, immensely. He was pointed by the guy who is now serving time in a federal prison, Mike Pence. So yeah, Mike Pence is the worst vice president, the worst vice president of this entire United States. Totally, totally. Right behind Donald Trump, his boss, the guy he is so afraid of. And I can tell you two other son of a bitches that are, that are afraid of Donald Trump. That turtle faced Mitch McConnell. Paul Ryan. These fuckers are totally afraid of Donald Trump. And we all sit and wonder why? Why are you afraid of somebody <laughs> who's as stupid and ignorant as Donald Trump? He can't fire you. Why are you afraid of him? He can't fire you. You you do not work for Donald Trump. You work for the American people. Why are you so afraid of him? Well, George, they feel that if they go against Donald Trump, uh, uh, they may not be reelected. Donald Trump is one of the worst individuals you could want to try and endorse you for any public office. So that's not a good reason. Donald Trump, uh, most of the people, if you count his wins and losses in terms of endorsing people for office, he's lost more than he's won. So why would you want to do that? Donald Trump doesn't uh, dictate who's going to win and who's going to lose just by just because he endorses you. It's the American people, the people who vote for you. That's the people you should be afraid of because they are the ones who can fire you, not Donald Trump. It's a shame that some of these people who have been in office, been in public office, and, under, and, and is now under Donald Trump, they don't seem to realize that. These old, white, rich men, honorary, nasty, vile, lying-ass fucks in Congress, afraid of Donald Trump. Cowards, as one lady called them. Cowards, as one, I'm sorry, I don't mean to call her lady, but she was a journalist, a reporter. Uh, she called them cowards. I've been calling them cowards for years, for a total a bunch of years. And I'm not afraid to say Democrats, some of them are cowards too. As we all know, the Democrats cave in a minute <laughs> under any pressure. They give up. <laughs> uh, and we go and we start saying, we say, oh, wow, the Democrats caved. But this 2018, uh, obviously 2017 also, 2018 has been uh, a hell of a year for the Trump administration. It seems like every every other week he has a bad week. He has a bad week. And last week, from the date of this show, 
from the recording of this episode was a very, very bad week for Donald Trump. Yeah, you got uh, Republicans out there saying that the Democrats are going to investigate Donald Trump to death. And we are. Yeah, we're going to investigate him uh, because they will be doing their jobs. The Republicans, they're not doing they're not investigating Donald Trump. If they're not um, looking into the matters of these crimes, these implications of these crimes, these felony crimes, then they're just as complicit as he is. Yes, the Democrats are going to get Donald Trump, and he's very, very, very pissed about that. Yes, the Democrats are going to impeach him at some point. They will have to because the American people will be in their asses. And I want to say to Texas one more time or maybe a few more times before the show is over. Get over Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is a piece of slime. Do not send this jackass back to Congress. He will work against you as he always has. Ted Cruz, like Donald Trump, is about himself. Ted Cruz doesn't give a damn about the people of Texas. He doesn't give a damn about the people who, who vote for him and send him to office. He just wants you to vote for him and send him to office and fuck off and then go somewhere and fuck off. He wants your vote. He's not going to do anything for you. And I've said this before. If politicians... If politicians can't live up to their oath of office, they should be impeached. If, if, if politicians lie to you outright, they should be impeached. If a politician has committed a crime in office or before they have taken office, they should be impeached. If uh, politicians fail to do their jobs, they should be impeached. And they should be impeached immediately, not until their term is over, where they may have – where they could probably uh, uh, work to get reelected. They should be impeached the moment that they uh, defy the trust of the American people who gave them their jobs by voting for them. Ted Cruz is a Donald Trump lackey, and he will continue to work against the people in Texas. Do not vote him in. And if it's a bunch of old people out there saying they're going to vote for Ted Cruz because they've been watching Fox News, hey, youngsters, go out there and educate them. Tell them not to waste their vote because that's what it will be. You don't want to vote against your own interests, and that's what you will be doing if you vote for Ted Cruz. Texas sends Ted Cruz packing. He deserves to be gone. Send him, send his ass back to Canada. To Canada. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show at 7.04 p.m., uh, in the city of Chicago, it's getting dark, and um, it's, it still feels good. <laughs> it feels great, even though it's dark. 
Uh, it's getting, and we're going to try and go out and get a little bit of this um, uh, uh, get a little bit of nature, if I can think of it and say it. Um, yeah, because it's beautiful. Remember, folks, winter is coming. <laughs> so you want to get out and enjoy the weather as much as you can. You don't want to be uh, stuck in the house, you know, especially when you can get out and, and enjoy yourself while the weather is still good. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're broadcasting out of the city of Chicago, which is a great city, a beautiful city, a wonderful city with great people. I know you hear about this shit, the gun violence and on the south and west sides of the city. Uh, yeah, we have that. What city doesn't? We need uh, a new. We need new leadership, and we're going to get that uh, because uh, our current mayor, Rahm Emanuel, states that he will not be running again. Hallelujah. Let's go dance out in the streets. Let's dance in the streets. Um, and so we will be getting new leadership and a new superintendent. Get rid of this one we already have, Eddie Johnson, because in my estimation, he has failed to curb, to curb the violence uh, in the city of Chicago. So that's a good thing. And we will be getting a new governor. Bruce Browner, asshole Bruce Rauner, who uh, was intentionally trying to ruin this state, will not be the governor in, after the midterms. Because if, if I'm checking the polling correctly, he is double digits behind J.B. Prisker, which is the man I'm going to vote for. I will never put someone back in office who has hurt this state. And now Bruce Rauner is admitting that he fucked up. He's admitting it. I mean, he was doing a, um, I don't know, um, he was doing a, 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 a press briefing or something, and he admitted it. He looked, he looked as if he was about to cry because he wanted forgiveness. He knew <laughs> he, knew he was losing. You, I hope a lot of people do not fall for that crap, that show. Now he's crying, he's begging, he's pleading because he wants a second term as Illinois' governor. It's not going to happen. You had, you had a first term, and you fucked it up. The state was shut down for two and a half years because he refused to sign a budget. People lost their jobs. Uh, kids were thrown out of daycare. Uh, uh, mental health uh, facilities closed down. I can go on and on and on. He will not be elected, and he knows it. And what gets me is that now, uh, and, and it has been, Bruce Rauner has a lot of negative ads on television. Ads are straight-up lies. His ads are straight-up lies. I mean, he was run, I'm in the Republican primary. He was running against um, uh, this female. I can't think of her name right now, but Judy Ives or, or Jennifer Ives, Judy Ives, or some somebody like that. And 
she was totally blown out of the water by Rauner's negative ads that he ran on television. Even the Republicans were saying that he was lying on her, and he was. I didn't follow her that much. I wasn't. I was not going to give her my vote. But still, in all, Rauner. I mean, he told a mountain of lies on this woman. And now he's doing the same thing with J.B. Prisker, telling a bunch of lies on J.B. Prisker. And J.B. Prisker is coming back uh, uh, and retaliating. He's saying, hey, wow, this is all Rauner has is lies. That's, and he's right. All Rauner has, Rauner is a Republican. And he's right. All Rauner has, Bruce Rauner has, is lies. Is lies. He know he's lying on J.B. Prisker in some of these ads. He know he's l- lied on uh, on Jenny Ives in the primary. She lost, and now he knows that J.B. Prisker is gonna whoop his ass. His wife, Rauner's wife, is now in his ads, coming out defending him, saying that. She said something that uh, made my eyes buck. She said that um, this mess has happened. She said this mess has happened uh, uh, for years now, and it would take four more than four years to to uh, uh, complete to make to turn around to make. According to a recent report by the New Yorker, the Trump administration is According to a new report in the Washington Post this week, Donald Trump is not happy with And we're back now with the round table and I have a few Tell me now is John McLaughlin, former acting director of the CIA. Benjamin Wittes is a Brookings Institution fellow and the editor of Lawfare. Heidi Press was a national political reporter, reporter with NBC News. And Susan Del Percio is a Republican strategist. I want to start with John. Uh, you know, I'm not sure Trump cares where he shoots. He's shooting. If any- Mr. Speaker. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.